Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Enduring Doctrine podcast. I am your host, Chris Roberts Sr., and I want to thank you again for joining me. Let's go ahead and get started with the word of prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we just thank you for yet another opportunity to learn of your word. Lord God, we ask that you impart wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Lord God, go in the in-between, Father, and fill in the gaps. Open the ears of our heart and of our mind that we might learn of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you once again for joining me. I hope that you have enjoyed the first two episodes, and we'll keep this going. So last week, we talked about how the scriptures are the inspired word of God, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And that the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you'll, you'll hear me say this often, uh, speaks of Jesus. It speaks of Jesus. And that if you see the scriptures in the Old Testament, aside from the obvious prophecies and allusions to Jesus Christ himself, you'll see that uh, the scriptures speak of Jesus. In the uh, last chapter of Luke, it says that he spoke, Jesus spoke to the multitudes beginning at Moses or the Torah or the law and then the prophets concerning himself. So he showed them through the scriptures that he was the Christ. In the eighth chapter of Acts, when Philip uh, was with the eunuch, he was reading in Isaiah. And it said that um, he expounded unto him the things concerning Christ from that book of Isaiah. So we know the obvious uh, scriptures, the, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John speak of Jesus's time here on earth. But even uh, Genesis 1 and 1 speaks of Jesus. So the other thing we touched on was the Hebrew language, the biblical Hebrew, uh, not necessarily the spoken language, but the written language, which is what we read, and how each letter that makes up a word in Hebrew was originally a pictograph. And each one of those pictures had a meaning. So for the first letter, Aleph, that was originally a picture of an ox. And that means strong, it means first. And you can go on down uh, the, the other 21 letters of the Hebrew alphabet and see what they meant. And so I gave you some examples. And I do believe, um, like I said, Genesis 1 and 1 starts out in the beginning and when you look at those letters that make up the word in the beginning, Barashith, you'll see that it speaks of what of a son being sacrificed with his arms on the cross. And um, I can, and we'll, we'll let's do another example of that. The law, the first five books of the Bible, uh, many Jews, Hebrews, refer to that as the Torah. Well, in Hebrew, the t word Torah is made up of four different letters. The first letter, Tau, the second letter, Va, the third letter, Resh, and the fourth letter, He, in that order. 
Ta was a, originally a picture of a cross, um, not necessarily the kind of cross we would look at that Jesus was crucified, but just a cross, a cross, two lines crossing each other. Val was a picture of a nail. Resh was originally a picture of a man's head. And hay was a picture of a person beholding with their arms up. And one trick or one uh, concept you should know is that hay at the end of the word means what comes from. And then you go back to the beginning letters. So if we break down the word Torah, we'll see it, what, what comes from a cross nailed to the man. What comes from the cross nailed to the man. This, of course, this, of course, speaks of Jesus Christ. And I love how everything always comes together. Um, another word that we often, uh, another word that a lot of Christians use but don't know they're using is Shem. And Shem shows up in a lot of words. We know that Shem was the son of Noah. Shem also means name. It's two Hebrew letters, Shin and Mem. And the a lot of Jews, they, they either refer to the Lord as Adonai or Hashem, or Lashem, the name. They don't speak his name. They don't say Yahweh. They don't say Elohim. And that's in reverence to, to who God is. But in Genesis 6 and 10, I'm going to go there. I do believe this is where it says that they began, men began to call on the name of the Lord. And you, many of you will know the Genesis story. Uh, let me just read that in your hearing. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I'm sorry. So that, that gives the lineage of, of, of Noah. And that tells you who was going into the ark. Like I said, his uh, son, whom all the Hebrews uh, came through, is Shem. Is Shem. And that, two, like I said, those two Hebrew letters, Shem and Mem together, mean the name name. So if we turn to Deuteronomy 6 and 4, and like I said, this is a Hebrew word that a lot of Christians quote or use, and they may not even fully understand what it means. Deuteronomy 6 and 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This is one of the principles uh, of the apostolic doctrine and is that the Lord is one. And you'll see this throughout scripture. And the Bible explicitly states this in many places, this being one. Jesus quotes this in, in uh, at least in Mark, when one of the uh, scribes and Pharisees tried to trip him up and ask him, what is the greatest of all commandments? And he tells them, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That word here, that word here in Hebrew is the word shama. You'll hear a lot of Christians say shama, or at least I have heard that. <laughs> and 
And some of them may understand what it means. I didn't understand what it meant until I started studying the Hebrew uh, written language. Shama is three letters, Shin, Mem, and Ayin. I just told you, uh, we just covered what Shin and Mem mean. Shin and Mem together, whenever you see Shin and Mem, is the name. Now, that last letter in the word Ayin is the 16th letter. And that was originally a picture of an eye. Again, uh, if you go in the descriptions, I have links to a website that explains uh, the Hebrew written language and how Christians should use it to interpret scripture. But that picture of an eye speaks of experience or experiencing, watching. It also speaks of water, uh, a, a water, a spring. And maybe I'll get into that. But it, uh, in this case, it can speak of, of an experience. So that word here, Shama, is experiencing the name. And then he says, the Lord our God is one Lord. That means he has one name. And when we read the New Testament, it's very clear what that name is, what name it is that everyone should trust in. The name, the only name that people can get saved by, Acts 4 and 12. Of course, in the biblical Hebrew times, they didn't have the name Yeshua necessarily. That's Jesus' name in Hebrew. They had Joshua. And I'm sure there was there were there are many Joshua's, but they were not the Messiah that is prophesied in the book of Isaiah, that's prophesied throughout the Old Testament. So it's one name, one name that we have today. And the Hebrew language spoke of that, it foretold of it. Another Hebrew word that I like is the word doctrine. One of the words for the word doctrine is shamua. You'll see this in Isaiah chapter 53. Whose report? Who shall believe the report of the Lord and to whom is his arm revealed? Let me re get that correct so I can quote it directly. Isaiah 53 and 1. Who hath believed our, re our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord Revealed. That word report is another word for doctrine is shemua. That's shin, mem, va, ayin, and hey. Again, hey at the end of the word means what comes from. Shin and mem together is the name. Va means nail or joined together. And again, ayin means experience. So the word for doctrine is what comes from an experience joined with the name. Oftentimes, when you see the word doctrine in the Old Testament, it's juxtaposed with water. What comes from an experience joined with the name. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. The Hebrew word for remission, um, we could talk about that as well. 
but one of the words for remission, Hashimita, which comes from the name applied to the serpent. Uh, Isaiah 28 and 9 said, whom shall, teach, whom, whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be put upon precept, line upon line, upon line, here a little and there a little. He goes on to say, with stammering lips and another tongue. The very next verse, for with stammering lips and another tongue, Will he speak to his people? That word doctrine in Isaiah 28 and 9 is Shemuah, what comes from the name applied to the serpent. If you have a Strong's Dictionary or you know how to uncover uh, what our English KJV Bible was translated from, you'll see that other word, the other word for the word doctrine in the Old Testament is the word lakek. And that's Lamed, Kuf, and Ket. And uh, there's no great significance to those letters that I could give you right now, but I will say that those are the same letters that make up the word for married. And we know in, in Ephesians 5, Paul lays out the mystery of how those that have his name will be married. With. Those that have been washed by the word will be married with, with Jesus. That's doctrine. And that's what we talked about last week. So let's get into this word uh, doctrine. In the Greek, in Hebrews chapter 6, we see it uh, appear as the word logos and didike. The easiest definition for the word doctrine is that it's something established to be taught. There's three distinct definitions of uh, in the Greek that I want to get into. One is from Matthew 28 and 20. This is a very familiar passage, and we actually read it in this, in this podcast. And that's where Jesus gives them the great commission. Go ye out into all the nations. I'm going to read it. I like, I like knowing where scriptures are, but I also like getting it right. I don't I don't want anyone to uh, add to or take away from the word. It says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Spirit, Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That word in verse 20, the first word, teaching, Strong's number 1321, is a word, didasko, means to instill doctrine. And it's the root word of the next two words. So the name of this podcast is Enduring Sound Doctrine. And that comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. And that word doctrine in that verse is uh, didaskalia. And that means to teach doctrine, Strong's 1320. And another passage that I'll be quoting quite often is Hebrews 6. The principles of the doctrines of Christ. And the word doctrine 
in verse 2 of the doctrine of baptisms. That word for doctrine is DDK, teaching doctrine. So those are definitions, again, that you can look up on your own. And that last one is Strong's 1322. And I like how those uh, words almost sound similar. But like I said, you can tell what the root of those words are. And it means to be taught. So those definitions of doctrine are in harmony with each other. To teach, to teach something and to instill it. And I like how Paul says sound doctrine. That word sound means it's void from error. It has no impurities in it. It doesn't deviate from the truth. I'm not sure exactly how to say it. Hugiano. Hugiano. And the root is hugiesis. It means free from error. So to teach sound doctrine means that you're instilling um, you're instilling a knowledge base that is free from error. It's nothing but the truth. Of course, everyone has their own truth. But we have the word of God. Amen. And if we can agree that this truly is the inspired word of God from Genesis to Revelation, and that is the truth, that word, O oh Lord, is truth then we can agree on some things and have a basis to teach for teachings. This is what Jesus commissioned the apostles for. He wanted them to teach them, teaching them to observe whatever I have commanded you. And we see this carried out in the book of Acts. We see it carried out in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the only book of history in the New Testament. It's the only book we have where we see what actually happened as Jesus' first church was being established. His only church. We read the Gospels to see his works and his earthly ministry. And what he commanded, what he demanded of his followers that you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall men know that you are my followers. And so if we call ourselves followers of Christ, if we call ourselves Christians, then we'll observe whatever things he taught his ordained disciples, his apostles. And that's uh, pretty much where I want to go with this. I don't, you know, I, I I pride myself in trying to understand contrary arguments. I keep an open mind. You know, I've been taught this since I was little. And this isn't a doctrine where it's just all dogma. And I don't know anything else. I understand the doctrine of Islam. I understand some of the other religious doc, uh, doctrines. I personally believe that this is the truth, this is the one true doctrine. This is the one true way. This is the meaning of why Jesus came in the first place, why God sent his only son. We see it carried out in the book of Acts. 
to me, it's very plain. But the reason that I want to teach this is because it's not plain to others. This doctrine that the apostles laid out on the day of Pentecost has not deviated. It has not changed. And what I've been trying to show is that even from Genesis, it's coded in the language, in the, in the writings. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word heaven, shamayim, you'll hear it. And I, we talked about it. Sham, sham, shen, mem, name, aim is sea, water, water in the name. What I love is in the second, we all quote Acts 2.38 routinely. And, you know, that's not to be dismissed or thrown aside. Because what Peter said is what Jesus told him to say. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as our Lord God shall call. That word Holy Ghost, Jesus calls it the comforter in the book of John, gospel according to John chapter 14, verse 26. That's translated from the Greek word parakletos, para meaning with, kletos meaning call. The Lord has called us and the Holy Ghost comes with that calling. And Peter says, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. This is not something that was only preached on Pentecost day. This was not something that was only for the early church. Jesus literally came, bled, died, and resurrected for this very fact. For the remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission. That's in Hebrews. The death, burial, and resurrection. Repent. Be baptized. Rise in the newness of life, Paul says in Romans chapter 6, about baptism and receiving the Holy Ghost. So you see, this doctrine is not limited to one day. It's not limited to one scripture. And what I've been trying to show is that even from the very beginning, the apostolic doctrine, this doctrine, has been established to be taught. Acts 2.42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and good, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That was Acts 2, 42 through 47. 
So in this doctrine, did not tear people apart. Unfortunately, that's what's going on today. And God bless every Pentecostal and apostolic. We are standing on principle. But we can't tear the church apart. Yes, I would love to see everyone come in agreement that, yes, we need to be baptized in the name. Yes, we need the Holy Ghost evidence speaking in tongues. We need it. As I'm recording this, we are three days removed from yet another tragic shooting in a school where high school kids lost their life. Teachers lost their life needlessly as if there's ever a need for loss of life. But, you know, and people, and I'm for, and without getting in too deep of a discussion to keep it what this podcast is about, I believe we're at a deficit of Jesus Christ. We need his name. People need to accept him and believe on him as the scripture said. Nine times in the book of Acts, people believed on Jesus Christ and were baptized. We need to believe and be baptized. If many as put on Christ have been baptized into Christ. Galatians 3.27. So this doctrine is not just limited to one book. This doctrine is not limited to one chapter. This doctrine is not limited to one time. It's for us here in 2018. All we need to do is continue to trust in him, believe in his word, understand, understand what what God has for us. Understand that the doctrine was established from the very beginning. I love how in Mark chapter 1, Jesus cast out a unclean spirit in uh, 125, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commanded he even the unclean spirits and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout the region around about Galilee. So they were amazed at this doctrine, but they didn't hear him say anything. What they saw him, well, they heard him tell, tell the unclean spirit to hold his peace and come out. But they were amazed that because of his doctrine, he had the authority. And you'll see this played out throughout the book of Acts. In the 17th chapter, uh, when Paul is in Athens, it says, and they took him, verse 19, 17, 19, and they took him and brought him to Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. Paul is no doubt teaching them the same doctrine that he learned from Jesus and the other apostles. 
And they said it sounds new to their ears. For many people that have not put up the picked up a Bible, many Christians have not picked up a Bible. This may sound new. But what we can do if we have sound doctrine is that we can expound. We can expound on these things to get them to understand and to open up their ears. And once they start believing, then they'll want to learn more about this doctrine. And I thank you yet again for receiving me, for staying with me this long on this podcast. And uh, I hope uh, we have many more in the future. All right. Let's uh, end with prayer as we started. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we just thank you for yet another instance where we get to learn of your word. Lord God, we just thank you for imparting wisdom and knowledge and understanding. We ask that you help us to be believers of this word. Help us to spread this word like never before. Lord God, we're putting all of our trust and our belief in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again, and I'll see you on the next one.